Black slings one, and it's intercepted. Derwin James, he wants the end zone. He's got it. Touchdown, Derwin James. And I was celebrating for a long time. The drama couldn't break me, now it's all mine. Surrounded by my angels and we all shine. Holy, 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 holy king. And I was celebrating for a long time. The drama couldn't break me, now it's all mine. Surrounded by my angels and we all shine. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I'm really pumped for this one. One of my favorite players in the entire class, and I got a friend of mine joining me today. But before we jump into this, quick word from our sponsor. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy teams like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features the revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has a ton of other cool features as well. In addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automatic contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com and a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use promo code DD to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, guys, I'm joined by my friend Xavier Warner. You can follow him on Twitter, Xavier J. Warner. He is the host of the Top Shelf DFF podcast. He does a ton of fantasy stuff. He plays, played football, plays football still. He does a lot of scouting. X, how are we doing today, man? I'm great, man. I'm great. Can't complain. Nice little snow day, so <laughs> kind of relax a little bit. Yeah, we uh, we live pretty close to each other, and we're, we're about to get 12 to 18 inches of snow, so no no problems sitting down doing a podcast today. We're going to talk about Derwin James, one of the most exciting players in this class, just a freak athlete. If you look at his spider chart, it's basically completely filled in to kind of give people a background on him before we jump right in. We're talking about a six foot one, six foot two guy. 215 pounds, he's got 33-inch arms, 447 speed, 40-inch vertical, 132-inch broad jump. I mean, these are 90th percentile traits. And and then you add in his production, he was injured his um, his sophomore season, but his freshman season and, and well, I guess technically it's still his sophomore season because he redshirted, but his, his junior year, he was off the charts in terms of production too. 91 tackles freshman year, 84 tackles. Junior year, 9.5 tackles for loss, 4.5 sacks, and four pass deflections and then two fumble recovers and two forced fumbles and then this past year he had five and a half tackles for loss one sack two interceptions with one of which he returned for a touchdown and 11 pass breakups i mean this guy's production matched up but when you watch his his film what about his game gets you most excited i mean he's just he's just off the like you were talking about he's off the charts athletic you know a, a lot of his measurables are within that 85 to 90 percentile which for someone of his size is, is insane. You know, just his speed, the way he breaks down in between pass coverages, um, recognizing run coverages is something that's unique. So when I watch him play, you know, I see a guy that is always around the football, uh, whether he's making a play in, in, in pass coverage or he's making a play um, in, in run defense, he is truly always around the ball, whether he's making the play or not, which is something that from a safety, from from a middle of the field type of safety, that's something that I want to see consistently. Absolutely. We're talking about a guy that is highly versatile too. I mean, you watch him play, he'll line up in the slot, kind of in press mm-hmm. man, he'll line up in off man, he'll line up at linebacker, he'll line up at strong safety, he will play kind of too deep free safety. He's very rangy. He's 
excellent athlete, like we mentioned. Very fluid hips, can change directions really well. He breaks on the ball incredibly well. Good ball skills, and we mentioned the 11 pass deflections. You're talking about a guy that's also very, very good in pass rush situations. He had seven sacks, six QB hits, and 25 hurries on only 111 career pass rush attempts. He has has legitimate, (laughs) like, hand usage, too, where he can put pass rush moves on a – alignment and it's not just you know i need to rush an open gap kind of from an athletic standpoint and from what he can do there's not very many limitations to his game and we're talking about a league now where you need to stop slot receivers you need to stop tight ends you need to have guys in the defense that can do multiple different things or you want to put them deep and let them play free safety he can do literally whatever you want him to do and i, I think that in today's nfl he, he's such a valuable commodity yeah, you, you, and you know what's great is we were having these very similar conversations last year with Jabril Peppers. Obviously, Derwin James is, is I personally think, um, way more athletic than, than Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers might be faster speed-wise um, on the field, like watching them play in-game speed, but just from a strength and, and dynamic you know, ability, I really have Derwin, Derwin James high. And when you were going through the, the seasons, you know, his freshman, sophomore, junior year, his sophomore year, what people don't, don't realize that he actually – you know, had one of his best games of his career um, against Ole Miss. I think he had 11 tackles and an interception or something like that um, before he got hurt, before he went out, which to me signified that he was about to kind of break away um, from everyone else that was kind of in his range that year uh, until he got hurt. You know, obviously things happen, and, and that's really unfortunate for him, but that kind of showed me something when I was watching his film and breaking down the type of player he was. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great call. I mean, you're talking about a guy that came in as a five-star recruit, was supposed to be one of the best players in college football, and he was. He lived up to that expectation. And, you know, when when you're that dominant every time you step on the football field and you were that dominant in high school, and then you add in the fact that you are also an elite athlete that can basically do everything, that's the kind of guy that ends up going top five in an NFL draft. Absolutely. And, and, And they're the type of guys that hive in the draft you know, when your guy gets taken or, you know, you don't like the, the trades that have been sending you to, to move back or whatever, you just pick the best guy available and you're you're happy with it. These This is one of those guys. And I kind of think that he's going to fall into that kind of stigma when the draft comes, not because he's not wanted or not because he doesn't deserve to be picked in a certain spot, but because guys are going to, you know, GMs are going to say, you know what, I just need to take the best guy here. And someone like Tampa or um, San Francisco or, you know, whoever else can get a guy that just is going to be, the best player available, you know, at that point. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he, he's a top five defensive player for me. He's my third overall defensive player. I'm, I'm very, very high on him. And, you know, we didn't even mention the fact that he's also a really good tackler. Like, he can lay yeah. the boom. He can also break down in space. You know, he can form tackle. He's not going to just throw a shoulder into you. So there's a lot of things to really like. But, you know, no prospect's perfect. So do you have any major concerns or with weaknesses in his game? So I have a bunch of weaknesses with him, but they're not glaring weaknesses. Like, there's not stuff that I look at him like, wow, he really needs to change that or he's going to be unsuccessful in NFL or he really needs to develop this quality or he's not going to make it last. Like, there are things where I'm like, uh, I'd, I'd like to see him do that better, but that's how we're always going to be in prospects. We're going to nitpick because that's what we do. Like, that's what we like to do is, is figure out what kind of drives them, what doesn't drive them. So, you know, for me, I think he has a little bit of a slow reaction um, when it comes to identifying a play. I mean, but when he identifies that play, he flies to the ball. And But that's where his athleticism takes over. Like That's why he's such a good athlete, where his slow reactions kind of push him back a little bit in, in some comparisons. But then his athleticism kind of makes up that gap, which is nuts to me. Yeah, that that's the first thing I wrote down, too, is that he may be a step slow in like zone, or he may be a step slow in reading 
something that's going on in front of him. But once he's comfortable with his recognition, he just goes 100 miles an hour and just lights people up. So if he can improve in that area, you know, continue to study film. I mean, he's only played 26 total college games. I think he can improve some of this area. His ceiling is, is so high. and So high. And like you said, that deficiency is real. It's there. But his athleticism makes up for a lot of that. Now, in the NFL, your athleticism can't make up for it as much because everyone's a super athlete in the NFL. But I think that the mental aspect of the game can continue to improve for him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's and when we start talking about his his positives, like that's one of the things that I'm I'm going to dive deep on and and why I think he'll be fine. But um, continuing on his weaknesses, um, I think that sometimes when he is attacking a runner, not not off a swing pass or not off a screen pass, but off pure designed run plays, um, he doesn't. And this isn't every single time because if you watch film of him, you're going to find situations where he hits hard, where he hits that hole hard, finds the finds the ball carrier attacks. But there's some times where he kind of lets the runner get to him. He doesn't full force attack. And that may be because of the slower reaction because, you know, he has to take an extra second to figure out which hole he's going to. But um, I think that's another thing where he – where the NFL, you know, trainers and NFL coaches are going to want him to fly to the ball 100 miles an hour instead of, you know, trying to wait and trying to anticipate. Yeah, that I think it depends on the play, right? Because some plays you don't want to oversell, and then if you're exactly. the last line of defense, then you can give up huge plays. Malik Hooker did that a lot last year at the safety position, so yeah. that can easily be something he's coached up to do at Florida State. So that's True. that's one of those things where. You'll, you'll know pretty quickly in his NFL career whether or not he was coached to do that and told to do that or if that's just like a, a hesitation aspect of his game. You mentioned you wanted to talk about a couple more positives with him, so I want to give you that chance to do that. Yeah, um, so I'm just going to ramble down my list. I mean, he's an alpha. Like as soon, I feel like as soon as he steps in the locker room, he is he's the alpha dog. People are going to want to listen to him. Um, I have the same kind of feelings about him with a lot of his positives that I had with Jamal Adams last year, where I thought Jamal Adams was that culture changer, was that guy that's going to step into your defense and delete your defense for a decade, and and you won't have to worry about anything off the field with him or um, you know anything from that nature. I think that he's kind of that guy. He's a leader. Um, how do you feel about that? Same. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Right now, I have Jamal Adams just a tick ahead of where I had yeah. Derwin James, but like he's a fiery dude. He he's he's gonna let you know about it. He's a chirper. Like I can't speak for who they are as people. I can just go based on reports. But there have been a lot of reports that do say similar things. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And the alpha mentality you certainly see on the football field. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, another positive, I think he's a great open field tackler. So I think that when he designs, when he um not designs, sorry, when he realizes a play and, and focus in on that play and knows what they're going to do. Not many people get by it. Not many people can put a move on him and have him, you know, look stupid in coverage or have him look foolish. Or, um, you know, we all lean back on the couch and say, damn, and we're, we're, we're seeing how his ankles get broke. Like uh, Devontae Freeman did to that guy in the NFL this year. Uh, but he, he doesn't let a lot of people buy him when he zones in and, and eyes him up. Yeah, I agree with that. There's the one play, I forget what game it was, that was early on in the year where he missed an open field tackle and the guy ended up breaking an eight yard run and the gift went yeah. everywhere. And like, you can't be a top 10 prospect if you do this. But like, everyone's going to have some bad plays. But I do agree with you in general that he's a very good tackler. Yeah, I mean, th that's going to happen from time to time. Like, no one is perfect. Like, that's just human nature. But I'd rather take a guy that, that you know, you only have one gif of him, <laughs> you know, getting beat. And every other time he's he's closing in, I'd rather take that guy. I'm with you on that one. Is there is there someone whose game he reminds you of? Like So I've seen a bunch of reports um as I was doing some research on like Eric Berry, which I kinda understand that. Um I saw a report on Jalen Ramsey and I really don't get that at all. Like are people saying because they play in the same system that they're, you know, that they have the same versatile kind of 
comparisons, but I, I really see a guy like Cam Chancellor out of, out of Derwin James where his hands aren't super big, so he's not, you know, going to reach out and, and grab a ball that, you know, another guy not, might necessarily, might not necessarily grab, but um, from a pure physical specimen, athlete, speed, power, pursuit, like he reminds me of Cam Chancellor in, in those Legion of Boom days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Chancellor's a really good one. Mine's Eric Barry uh, for his coverage ability. I think, yeah. you know, when, when Barry was on the Chiefs, well, he's still on the Chiefs, but when he was healthy on the Chiefs, if you if your fantasy tight end went up against the Chiefs, you didn't play them because Eric Barry took him away. And I think Derwin James can do a lot of that. He's just so smooth in coverage. And we talked about his fluid hips and his speed and his his burst and his closing ability and ball skills. I mean, he can really do a lot of what Eric Barry has done too. And you know, I th- I think he's almost like a combination of Barry and Chancellor. And, and they have some of their weaknesses and some of their strengths. But just in terms of a guy that can play in the box, you know, in the slot, he can he can line him up in two deep situations and have him be very rangy. I don't want him as a yeah. strictly free safety. I want him around the line of scrimmage and making plays with the ball. But like you can do a lot of different things. And I think the Jalen Ramsey thing is just they both went to Florida State. They were both really yeah. good athletes, and Ramsey played some some safety. So I think that's more of a lazy comp. So I'm with you there. But yeah, you know we we always talk, and I think Derwin James is one of the exceptions to this rule. But we always talk about where a player goes can have such a huge impact on how good they are as a player. Like I think Adams last year, it didn't matter where he went, he was going to be successful. Yeah. I think wherever James goes this year, he can be successful. But if, is there a place you would like to see him go where you think he could have the most success? Well, I bet you were happy where Jamal Adams went last year. <laughs> I wanted uh, a quarterback, but you know what? I, I really like Adams, but I wanted yeah. Watson. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, of course you. I mean, Watson, that's your guy. Like, of course you wanted Watson, but you weren't like upset at the Jamal Adams. You were like, oh, this is terrible. You were like, all right, oh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's. I mean, I was very happy we got Jamal Adams. I was very unhappy we didn't get a quarterback. But mm-hmm. Adams is going to be a piece to build around for the for the next ten years. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but. For landing spots, so I'm gonna kind of skimp on the um, the projected landing spot. Um, I'm gonna kind of give you a spot that could happen, but may not happen. Um, I really, really like him to go to San Francisco, and I really like what San Francisco is doing with their team. I like what John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan is kind of building over there, and I really, really want to see them be successful. And I think Derwin James could be that that safety that John Lynch gets that can just run his team forever. And that's how I thought about Jamal Adams last year. Obviously, but not how high the 49ers were picking last year, but that's what I thought of Jamal Adams. Like, yo, I really like Jamal Adams to go to the 49ers. Like, I think he can be, you know, the safety kind of persona that John Lynch was to a franchise. Like, he can have that kind of same feedback on the 49ers that, you know, that John Lynch had on his team. If they did that and Reuben Foster gets everything sorted out with his life <laughs> and you add in Solomon Thomas and, and Buckner and Richard Sherman and Witherspoon last year and, like, they'd have a lot of pieces. And I think they could use that. He could really learn from Richard Sherman and probably really become a cam chancellor. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I ultimately think his floor is 10. I think he's going a lot high, going to go a lot higher than people think. I think the NFL yeah. is bigger on him than they are Mika Fitzpatrick. I, I am as well. But I just think that analysts have had it a little bit backwards in terms of where they're going to go. That's just my personal opinion. I want to see him go six to the Colts. I think the Colts traded back to six. They have Malik Hooker. They have that that ball skills kind of center fielder. That's kind of what he does. And they let Derwin James do everything else. They let him play tight end. They 
man coverage come down the slot. He basically is so good at everything that Malik Hooker struggles at that they complement each other so well. And we're talking about a team that that needs a culture change. It's the Indianapolis Colts, especially if Andrew Luck's shoulder doesn't get get better. Like they need some good players on that team. They just had that trade with the Jets. They'll have a lot of opportunities, but a James Hooker safety tandem can really transform what that team does in a passing league. I agree. I mean, I saw you talking about on Twitter the last couple of days or yesterday, whenever it was, um, and and I it stuck out to me because I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Like that, that would be a very good, um, you know, kind of center field for any team and a, and a good culture mix. Um, I think that when the Colts were at three, I was wondering. I was like, well, if they're at three. Like, what what do they need? And then I was going through the list. I was going through the breakdown of the position. I was like, they need a lot. Like they they need a lot. So like I was like, I couldn't. I told one of my friends this. And I was like. I can see them trading back. Like, I don't know to who, I don't know who wants to trade up. I don't know what they're going to get, but I can see them moving back. And then like a week or two after that, they move back. And now they have a better opportunity to just get good players, like just fill their team with good players. Cause if Andrew Luck is back, then that's a good sign. They're automatically contending to be in the playoffs with Andrew Luck back. So if you surround him with just good football players, you're only raising that ceiling higher and higher. I don't think they would do anything. Like I don't think they're going to make it deep in the playoffs or they're going to make the Super Bowl, but I think it betters that opportunity for you to get your team to that point, whether it is this year, next year, or the year after that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, l- listen, if, if you have a top three pick in this year's draft and you don't need a quarterback, trading down was the right thing to do because that's how you get the true value of your position. And, you know, I, I think – I think he comes into play at six. I think he could go to the Colts. I think he'd go to the Bucks. They need a safety. I think he could go to the 49ers at nine. I think he could go to the Raiders at 10. And I think all, I think those are his four most likely landing spots personally. X, I just want to thank you for, for joining us on the podcast. I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff you're, you're working on. And why don't you tell the people kind of what you're working on, where they can find you? So on Twitter, Xavier J. Warner, as Elliot said earlier, um, my podcast is, um, Twitter account is at Top Shelf DFF. Me and my friend just started it about, well, we've been planning it for about almost a year. Just went live in, on March 1st. Uh, we're just trying to put out content for people. We're not trying to, you know, be anything we're not. We're just trying to be a part of the community and get some information out to people. Uh, we're writing articles. We have 31 people that are kind of not, I wouldn't say working under us, but helping us. They're covering specific teams, talking about fantasy relevance for each team. So um, this week is actually uh, AFC. NFC North. Um, Elliot's actually going to be on that. Um, we're going to record that soon. And, you know, all those articles are coming out for the AFC, NFC North teams, just talking about offseason things, fantasy stuff like that. But um, I'm really excited to do it. Uh, go check out our website, www.topshelfdailyfantasy.com um, for more information. So- yeah, guys, make sure you check that out. And like you mentioned, I'll be on his podcast soon. And, you know, X just puts out really good work and he knows what he's talking about, guys. So I, I can't encourage you enough to go check him out. Guys, you can follow me on Twitter, like we mentioned, at Xavier J. Warner. You can follow me on Twitter, at Elliot Chris. You're listening to the Draft Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now Podbean. Guys, we really appreciate you listening, as always. Thank you. I've been Steph Curry with the shot. Been cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. 360 with the wrist, boy. Hey, who the is, boy? OVO, man, we really with the boy. Yeah, really with the I should probably sign a hit, boy, cause I got all the hits, boy.